Friends, welcome to the Slaking Thirst podcast, where you'll find the homilies, talks, and reflections of Father Ryan Mann and Father Patrick Schultz of the Diocese of Cleveland. Slaking Thirst is all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, which is also a divine heart, seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts will meet and both thirsts will be slaked. Thanks for joining us on the journey into Christ's desire for us. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. And Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my, my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that wherever you ask the Father, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. The, uh, I want to know whoever uh, prayed for snow this morning, see me after Mass, and you're going to get a very steep penance uh, for the grave sin. <laughs> yeah, man, well, how about that, right? All right, so before I go any further, I just want to say a word to the ladies, to the mothers in the church with us this morning. Happy Mother's Day, right? Anybody who's visiting, any visitors with us this morning? If you're visiting, raise your hand. There's one. There's one. All right. It's so good to see some uh, just new faces, well, new eyes, many of you, um, uh, joining us uh, this morning. So, yeah, the uh, uh, Mother's Day, when it coincides, when it's, you know, always on Sunday, right, when uh, Mother's Day is a huge day for restaurants, it's also a big day for churches. You know, mom's saying, you know, the only thing I want for Mother's Day is for all my babies to come with me to Mass. So if that's you, if you're here because your mom saying, I just want you to come to Mass with me. I just want to say thank you, and God bless you. And we probably got about another hour and a half, so we'll, we'll get there. Uh, just don't worry. But anyway, so uh, I was, I, I, when I was praying about uh, this, uh, these readings, this, you know, the fact that we have Mother's Day today on the sixth Sunday of Easter, I was thinking about how um, we all come to these kind of like secular holidays, so to speak, from different places in our hearts. And I just... I think it's important just to uh, not assume that we're all in the same place. We all do come to the same place to meet the same Lord, but our hearts aren't in necessarily the same place. And it's good to acknowledge that. I think it's important to acknowledge that um, because that's exactly where the Lord wants to meet you, right? Because maybe this is, like, maybe this is your first Mother's Day, right? Maybe this is, some of you here are, are in church today, this is your first Mother's Day. You're sitting there next to your husband and your baby, and, like, and that's awesome, and you're just filled with joy, and like, that's so good. Um, 
maybe uh, you found out you're expecting recently and like, like this Mother's Day takes on a whole new flavor and feel that it's just now like it's beating within you, that there's something more going on on Mother's Day. Maybe you're on the other end of that uh, season of life and uh, you're preparing to, you know, as things wrap up this school year, moms, you're getting ready to transition into the, the long farewell of saying, you know, seeing your kids head off to college or move on to careers and your heart's just not ready to transition to that new phase of what it means for you to be a mom. I just want to say that, like, we see you too and, like, your heart matters and all that matters. I think maybe if you're here and you're feeling like I've just been a miserable failure as a mom, all these other women, all these other moms, they've all got it together, and I'm just like barely hanging on the like, you know, feeling like the homes are just a dumpster fire of failure and chaos, like you're not, and the Lord loves you, and you're just welcome here. I've been thinking about the moms too, who um, maybe you've been dreading this day because this is like this is a reminder of a lot of pain that's happened either this year or in recent years that um, maybe you had a miscarriage this year and it's just very painful and like, I just want to say we see you and we love you or maybe you lost a child, God forbid, and like, it's just hard. It's just incredibly difficult, but like, the Lord wants to meet us exactly where we're at. You know, I just think it's so important to acknowledge those places in our hearts as we start because like, the church isn't like a, like a museum for saints, it's just not. The church, the church is a hospital for sinners. It's, it's not the place where all the well-to-do and perfectly put-together people come to make a splendid appearance before the Lord. Aren't we so impressive? The church is the hobbling mass and mess of humanity that comes together to offer the Lord our brokenness and poverty to receive from him his mercy and glory and everything. And like that's why we're here, right? And Because uh, the church is a mom, <laughs> You know, like think of uh, St. Peter's in Rome, the, the St. Peter's Square, the big colonnade that's in front of St. Peter's Square. Bernini uh, designed it. It's designed to look like two big arms that are designed to welcome the world. Like That's the church. That's the heart of Holy Mother Church because she's a mother. Before she's an institution, before she's a hierarchy, she is first and foremost a mother because the church existed in Mary at the Annunciation before she was organized hierarchically in Peter. Mary is the icon of the church, and she's mama, right, for all time. So what I want to do, I guess, this morning uh, is I want to reflect on the connection I see between, um, like, Mother's Day, motherhood, maternity, all these things, and the gospel that we just heard. So this section of the gospel we just heard is from John 15, which, uh, if you've not, like, you know, cracked your Bible in a while, like go back home, open up to John 15 and just spend some time in that section of John's gospel. It is exquisite. Over and over again in John 15, he's speaking to the apostles and he's using phrases over and over again saying things like, remain in my love, abide in me, remain in me, over and over again, these words, these phrases. But this one word I just want to like zero in on, I want to spotlight, is the word in in. There are such mystical depths to this in seemingly insignificant two-letter word, in. Remain in me. Abide in me. Christ wants to remain in us as he wants us to remain and abide in him. He wants to dwell in me and in you. 
like this interpenetration of persons. Like when you have the experience of being in love, right? Spouses, those who are married, right? The experience of love moves the heart to this place of saying, I want the deepest part of me to be in you. Like that's in some ways what, what couples do on the day of your wedding. They stand before an altar and what they essentially are saying through their vows is, I'm going to like take my heart and I want it to now place it in your chest, so to speak, and I'll take yours and it'll be kept safe in mine. Like the deepest part of me is now in you. I want as much as possible for us to be united, but in this world, you know, in this life, this side of the veil, you only can get so far, but our hearts are longing for this total interpenetration of persons to be totally united. Now, I know, I know that sounds like a lot on, you know, Sunday morning, 10.30, here we go, talking about this interpenetration of persons, but, like, stay with me on this, like, because the physical, the physical reveals the spiritual, right? The natural reveals the supernatural. That's how God set it up, right? Grace builds on nature. The physical reveals, as an icon, the, the spiritual, right? So, I mean, contemplate this with me for a moment, that every single one of us, Every single person, every single one of us, we began our life's journey inside another person, inside a woman. Not just any woman, but our mother. Every single person began inside another person, inside a mother, beneath the beating heart of a mother. Like, we dwelt in our mothers for nine months, right? Give or take, right? We abided in her. We remained in her. Like moms aren't so much like just single individuals. They're not just necessarily persons as they are places. Moms, you're like a place. I think you know that intuitively. You're a place where life happens. You're a place where beauty happens and all sorts of things happen. Like a mother is a place of hospitality, right? God has built into the body of every woman a place that's meant to house another. There's an organ in you that's designed not for you, for another. That is not the case for, any, for a man. But there is a place designed in you that's meant for another, right? Which John Paul II looked at that, he saw that as like the feminine genius, right? That moms, women, they're not so much individuals as places, a, a place of hospitality, a place of love, a place of like comfort and nourishment and tenderness, a place of repose and rest. Like mom is an atmosphere, an environment, a dwelling place. Mom, quote unquote, mom is another word for all of our first homes, Mom is the word for our first home, and because of that, she's like our first glimpse and quite literally our first taste of heaven, because heaven is home. Mom is the first home, and therefore she's the first icon. You are the first glimpse, the first taste of home. Do you realize, like when you read the prophets, like Isaiah, when he's describing the glory of heaven, he uses this intensely maternal imagery, like, may you nurse with delight, speaking of the heavenly Jerusalem, may you nurse with delight at her abundant breasts. Like quite literally, you are our first taste of the utterly gratuitous, generous, 
and generative love of God. Like femininity, motherhood, all of these things are mystical realities. The body's not just biological, the body is intensely theological through and through. And I want to be very attentive to this, that I'm not just simply speaking to the the women here today who have uh, born life within them, have become natural physical mothers. I'm speaking to every woman, because motherhood is the vocation proper to every woman. It's the perfection of femininity, just like fatherhood is the perfection of masculinity. Now, not every man will become a natural father, right? I do not have children of my own, just so you know, right? And yet, I'm called father. Mother Teresa, no children of her own, but she mothered multitudes, and to this day is still mothering multitudes. Every woman, by virtue of her femininity, is called to not necessarily biological motherhood, but spiritual motherhood, to be that place a hospitality of welcome, rest, repose, right? And motherhood is so bound up with that word home, right? Because like a father can build a house, but a mother makes a home. Not because she's, you know, a good decorator and, you know, blows the credit card at Target, not necessarily because of those things, although that's true, right? But because of the intensity and the particularity of a mom's love. Like, and I know in our day and age, it's just like culturally, like I'm not supposed to even say the things I'm saying. It's politically incorrect to speak about women as homemakers because men can do that too. I just, no. All right, no, no. All right, like, no. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. The fact that we even have to argue these things, I don't know. Anyway. Right? If you want to know in our culture, like, if you want to know what in the world is holiest and most sacred, what's closest to the Father's heart, just look at what's most profaned and most attacked. Right? I mean, I don't know if any of you saw recently on the news I was watching, I saw uh, a series, it's now like a talking point of leftist politicians to speak about mothers using the phrase birthing persons because that makes a lot of sense. Anyway, all right, so I want to speak a little bit more to you moms uh, and just thank you for the, the kingdom work that you do in your motherhood, in your houses, in your homes, right? Because home is not, as the saying goes, home is not where you make it. Home is the place where I can finally be uh, unmasked and utterly vulnerable. Like, it's what all of our hearts long for like, it's the reason we experience nostalgia. The very word nostalgia means the painful ache for the longing to go home. That's what the word nostalgia means, right? Like, home, it's, it's the place where I can allow myself to be seen and known and loved. It's the environment where I don't have to be on anymore. It's the place where I can let myself be loved. It's the first, and John Paul II said, it's the essential school of love which is quite honestly like the most essential school of all the schools to be enrolled in, to be a human being, is to be in the family, to be in the home. Because love, not degrees, not careers, love, love is the ultimate end, it's the ultimate vocation of every human life. Like the goal and the project of, of every human life comes to us posed as a question from God, and it's this, 
Will you let yourself be loved? Will you participate in my love? That is the end, that's the goal, that's the vocation of every person. Will you let yourself be loved? And, and like, that is the single desire over and over again in the Father's heart. Like, it was for that reason that the Father sent the Son into the world to save the world, not to condemn it. He saved the world again. How? Not by this juridical act that, like, just acquitted the world, like, all right, you're good. You know, hit the gavel on the bench, humanity, you're good. He saved the world through this unfathomable act of love. This is love. Not that we have loved him first, but that he loved us when we were yet sinners, that his love, what he did was enter into the midst of a rebel race and said, I will overcome you by my love. That's how we were saved. That's how we were saved. Like the first, the first line of that gospel, like just meditate on this for a bit. Jesus saying to us, as the Father loves me. So here's Jesus, the Logos, the second person of the Trinity. As the Father loves me, with that Niagara Falls torrent of infinite, like, overwhelming, crushing, gratuitous love, as I am the recipient of that love, so I also love you. What? Like, I think we get convinced that, like, there's, there's Jesus, and God the Father really loves Jesus, because he's Jesus, and then, then there's us, right? He loves Jesus, and he's like, I like you. You're not bad, you know? Like, we get, like, the diluted version of God's love, like the, like the Coke Zero version of God's love, right? No, it's the entire thing. It's the entire thing. So to be human is to be that sort of creature that is loved by the God who hung the stars in the sky, right? And to share in and to reflect that love, right? But here's the thing. You cannot give what you have not received. You cannot give what you don't have and you cannot receive what you've not been prepared to receive. Like a field, hardened, dry, caked, and crusty. A field cannot receive the seed because it hasn't been prepared to receive. You cannot give what you don't have and you cannot receive what you've not been prepared to receive. Which is exactly why the work of motherhood is kingdom work. It is the work of, it's the most important thing. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, Moms rock the cradle of civilization. By letting us abide in you, by creating not just houses, but by creating home, and by creating a space where hearts learn to be loved, where hearts learn to trust in love, that love is trustworthy, where hearts learn to give love. Moms, you are creating, you are raising Saints, you are tilling the soil that will one day receive the seed. You're making it possible for your children to live lives that are grafted onto the vine, to actually abide in him and to remain in him, to stay open and vulnerable and trusting in him. Like every person, every heart needs a mother Because every person has to learn how to receive love. And a love that's utterly gratuitous. A love that's not earned and not merited. And our first taste of that kind of love is from our moms. So today I just really wanted to honor you moms. And thank you. Because you have undoubtedly the, the hardest job 
if you can even call it a job, of all time. I want to end with this. A parishioner, uh, I, I don't know who, uh, dropped this off in the office the other day and they put it in my mailbox. So if it was you, thank you. Uh, it's a reflection from a cardinal of the church who has a Polish last name that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. So it's a cardinal of the church. <laughs> he said this. The most important person on earth is a mother. She cannot claim the honor of having built Notre Dame Cathedral, but she need not. She has built something more magnificent than any cathedral, a dwelling for an immortal soul, the tiny perfection of her baby's body. The angels have not been blessed with such a grace. They cannot share in God's creative miracle to bring new saints to heaven only a human mother can. Mothers are closer to God, the creator, than any other human creature. For God joins forces with mothers in performing this act of creation. What on God's earth is more glorious than this? To be a mother. Amen.